Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. Thank you for continuing to listen and learn, and we hope everybody is doing well. I'm your host, Jordan Porter, along with the beautiful Yvonne Brandenburg again, as always. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I love um, how you introduced me. It's so great. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I said, I'm in a fantastic mood today. It's, oh, yeah. I just hope it lasts. <laughs> I know. Today, it, we were recording on a Sunday. We're uh, it's the first day of May. Yay. It's a nice day today too. Like it's, it's pretty outside awesome. and I'm going to go spend some time outside in a little bit and enjoy some sunshine. Dude, me too. That's like my favorite thing is to like take my laptop outside and like get up, get my work done while I'm outside. Yeah. I've been Tomorrow doing that we're recently going on the boat too. Again. Yeah. So, I know I like you it. and the boat. <laughs> my husband's I'm like, so... he's like, how do they go on the boat so often? I'm like, well, they, they live by a dock. So <laughs> it's like, and I haven't been working <laughs> so <laughs> when Matt's off, I'm off. And well, I mean, I finally, it's official. I went back to work on Wednesday Yay! this past week. So I worked Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, and I definitely did not think it was going to be as busy as it was. So yeah. That was a little brutal, but I mean, like it was, I mean, you know, zero to 60, it's fine. (laughs) Yeah. But I was worried. I was like, man, do I even know how to draw blood or place catheters? But I think on Wednesday, like I placed like three catheters. I placed it, like I assisted with a feeding tube and did my finger trapping. And I was like, I still got it. I know. I I did a CT scan. I was like, all my skills. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I still got my drug calculations memorized. I was like, this is great. (laughs) I was like, I just fell right back into it. And it was nice. It's crazy that you talk about how busy it was at your clinic because, well, my, my clinic right now, we're still, we're, we're still short staffed. Um, mm-hmm. cause a lot of people are, are still not coming in, but I feel, I feel like we are seeing more patients now than ever because, you know, some of our local clinics aren't open as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and because we're specialty and I honestly can think that people are at home staring at their animals Go and like, man, you probably lost some weight. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh my God, my cat sleeps all day. And it's like, well, yeah, he always sleeps all day. You're just not home to watch him kind of thing. Yeah. I don't exactly. know. And, and we've had some like crazy cases come in and I, yeah, I think it's because they're at home to notice these things, but yeah, man. my boss is like, we don't even need to be open in five days. We can get all the work done in three. I was like, yeah, it's not stressful at all. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Cause my doctors are doing, we're, we usually have at least two internal medicine doctors on a day, sometimes three. Um, one of our, one of our internists is on maternity leave, which I can't even imagine being on maternity leave right now with everything going on, but at least she doesn't have to worry about being in work and we kind of mm-hmm. already planned for that. But now um, they make it so there's only one internist on a day, and then there's mm-hmm. only two techs with her, whoever that is. Usually, if it's a one doctor day, we have three techs because we're dealing with all the other internist calls and mm-hmm. clients and stuff and prescriptions. And so it has been insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm finding that, like, despite the fact that everybody should know what's going on people are still very impatient and I'm like give me a minute like I have you know there's only two techs here and one doctor and I had like when I went in yesterday morning no Friday morning I had five inpatients so like I was taking care of all of them and I had someone calling which I get they were worried but I was like I just they were not the most critical so like I had like I checked on them and got vitals and stuff like that but the the owner called probably three or four times and I was like yeah want like just with trying to get treatments done and stuff like that and trying to get like morning blood work and x-rays and all this stuff done because all of my cases were all very different so all of them needed so many things and I was just like I just I understand that you're very very worried and I get it but like I just need people to understand that like there's only like three of us here right now 
and like on top well, of my five inpatients and my five appointments that I have, it doesn't sound like a lot, but like it, yeah. there's a lot going into them. But I think, and I think this is something that they don't realize is not to sound like jerks, but patient care. Yeah. comes is, first. Is going to come before me talking to you multiple times throughout the day. Yes. Like I and that's know what that's saying. That sounds really harsh, but we're not, we don't have time to focus on communicating with you four times throughout the day because we're focusing on treating your pet. And I I think, I think they worry because we're not able to jump on the phone that somehow that equates to us not being able to take care of their pet. And I just, yeah. I don't, I don't know how to make it come across that like right? I am working with your pet, like your pet's coagula, uh, coagulopathic yeah. and I'm trying to get plasma started. I was trying to get a second catheter and I was trying to run all the pre-blood work before I did all this stuff. Like yeah. I was trying to just set up like a complication, not to mention like I had other patients that I was trying to push drugs on and stuff like mm-hmm. that too. And then I'm I just, know we like, had like blood transfusions and yeah, scopes yeah. and ultras and like it's Dude, I'm it telling you, I did all the insane. skills because I gave plasma and stuff this week. <laughs> like right. I did. I didn't do a scope. We almost had a scope. We did um, several scopes this week, like foreign bodies and crazy things. And it's yeah. just like, yeah. And, and I, th- I wish that we could come up with a way to tell clients, look, you're going to get one update a day right now because we are yeah. minimally staffed because yeah. of everything going on. Um, it, it, and we need to focus on patient care. And I, and I guess, yeah, I guess it all comes down to signposting, you know, the whole, yeah. like, if we tell them up front that that's what's going to happen and that we are taking care of your pet, I guess, honestly, it's communication. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. We better <laughs> communication is what this comes down to. Um, and I get it. I mean, it's yeah. hard. They're worried about their pet that I don't think that they're thinking that there's other pets in the hospital that also need to be cared for that. They're like, well, what's happening with mine? And, and like, yeah. so, I mean, it's scary and that, and they're at home staring at their phone. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So they don't and realize like, it's only been three hours. You're like, I talked to you three hours ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if anything so. changes, I swear to God, I will call you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, so I definitely didn't miss, like people were impatient before, but now it's like, yeah. I don't, I think people I, have more time on their hands. To, yeah, to they definitely have more time on their <laughs> like, hands and things are going slower. And I think, you know, I think that we are, well, I feel like at our clinic, we're fortunate. Most clients are being very cognizant and receptive to all of our, you know, precautions we have in place for the COVID. Yeah, everybody's been pretty good about that. Um, I know I've seen like um, in some of our Facebook groups that we're in that some clients just are not understanding and not getting it. Um, Mm -hmm. So I do feel fortunate that I don't have to, deal with the additional stress of, of clients not understanding that they need to wear their PPE. <laughs> Otherwise I'm not going to come talk to you kind of thing. So I think, yeah. I think that thankfully I don't have to deal with that, but, um, yeah, you know, and they understand like they're not, not allowed coming... in the building and all that stuff. Yeah. So I, I feel yeah. fortunate. I don't have to deal with people not understanding that. Thankfully. Yeah. My clients have definitely been good about not coming in the building and being receptive to the fact that like, if you're an appointment, like I'm going to call you. Mm-hmm. I have had still some like impatient. They're sitting out in the parking lot for 10, 15 minutes and I haven't had a chance to call yet to get the history. And I'm like, I promise I'm coming. It's only been 10 minutes. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, and I feel bad because I mean, they, they are just, I, I don't know about you, but when I sit in my car for 10, 15 minutes, I do get bored. <laughs> yeah. And it feels like forever versus <laughs> right. like sitting in a waiting room I, or like sitting in the waiting room or sitting in an exam room. I feel like you can kind of hear that there's people like doing things yeah. and out in the car, you don't get to experience any of that. So you're just like, why is it taking, not to mention, like, I think so because we've been having a lot of people like the leave after I get the history. And then, so it doesn't look like there's a lot of cars in the parking lot mm-hmm. either. So people are mm-hmm. like, you're not doing anything. And I'm like, I am. I promise. Yeah. yeah, I do. I, I get that too. Like they don't see necessarily how many people are actually there because there's nobody yeah. in our lobby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like nobody's in the lobby. The receptionists are like up front and maybe on the phone, like intermittently, but it doesn't look busy like it normally does. And I'm like, which no. is crazy. Cause my, my, receptionist or my CSEs are like constantly on the phone and we constantly have multiple holds and yeah (laughs) I can't wait for things to settle down a little bit 
Yeah, it's weird working this way, but I'm I'm definitely happy to be back at work. And so far, like yeah. the kids got all their homework done this past week. Nice, um, nice. Except for one page. My mom didn't understand. I was like, it's kindergarten homework. Why didn't you understand Aww. about it? <laughs> like, and she's like, I, I didn't understand how to do it. I was like, okay. That's cute. <laughs> but I mean, it's fine. Like it's, it's Connor. He's, he doesn't care. <laughs> Aww. And his broken toes better he did hit it last night and he was feeling like Oof. pretty bad about it <sighs> but it doesn't look as nasty as it did well that's good so and we haven't had any injuries since then my boss told me that to make i feel like you decisions. should uh knock on wood for knock that on thing. wood <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> we set off the dogs i'm sorry i should have knocked on wood <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that's what i get and that's so, what Jordan usually edits out when the dogs bark at squirrels. <laughs> yeah. Or kids or like a leaf, you know. Yeah, you know. Or the <sighs> ghosts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Arlo. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, anyways. So this week we're going to be talking about pneumonia, but we do have some housekeeping to yeah. kind of touch on, which we had a lot of great interaction in the internal Holy medicine moly. for vet tech's podcast yeah. page um so the first thing we had we had this crazy like bumper crop of people that joined mm -hmm. us which was amazing. i think that was honestly because of your viral picture of not using <laughs> your third hand i know oh my god that was so great i i could not believe how many people was it vet yeah. tech nation was it the vet tech yeah. Nation facebook group yeah so i posted it on there i shared it on there and i think it had like over 1300 people like yeah. re react to it, which is crazy. I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm like, well, that went bigger than I thought it would. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll, if, um, I think it's also posted in our Facebook. I, it started in our Facebook group where I was like, anybody else missed their third hand? So yeah. So it was the third hand picture. So if you, if you had a chance to see it, that's what we're talking about. But yeah, we had, I think we had 50 or 60 people join the podcast group this, this last week. Yeah. Amazing. Um, and we had a ton of interaction on that post because we always definitely a lot everyone. of people said hi. I know, and that was nice. And like, it's funny too because so we're like I said last week. There's a lot of variation of texts. Like, yeah, um, I know we had some equine texts. We had some. I believe there was like a derm tech. I already mentioned the radiology. All right, I'm the, gonna I'm just gonna go through it. Anna Guzman, hi, Darcy Brown, who's our equine person, um, Kaylin Wemlinger. She is ER and specialty. Um, we have Kelly Coleflesh, who this one's kind of cool. She she was talking about she does um, a tech and colony colony management for research, which is kind of cool. Like, I, yeah, that's interesting. I think that's interesting. Um, Annette Harold Turno, she is a canine uh, rehab practitioner, which is really cool. Um, I know I've I've done some time. <laughs> helping out with our rehab person. So that's really cool. And then Fernanda de Lima Correa, and I'm sure I'm not saying it nearly as cool as her name really is. But oh, I bet she, you she says it so beautifully. I know, right. <laughs> she's from Brazil, which is really cool. Um, so she's a veterinary resident in a small animal practice in Brazil. And I think that's really cool. But she said that her clients are just as crazy as our clients. So nice. Good to know that owners are crazy the world around. Um, Kelsey Lewis is an emergency and specialty hospital in internal medicine. So we were excited about that. Bree Mullis, uh, emergency tech, and she ran her first anesthetic case, which is super cool. Congratulations, Bree. Uh, Shannon Daniel, uh, she's been doing this for over 24 years, which is amazing. I'm sure she has some amazing stories. Uh, Teresa Churchill, also over 20 years. Uh, Katrina, oh, Dang it. Sorry, Katrina. Uh, Katrina Ankvet-Smith. Uh, she is in tech school. So that's awesome. She's got, uh, she's been doing it about two years. So she's right in the, the thick of being a, what did we call it? A toddler tech? Yeah. <laughs> she's a toddler tech now. Uh, Maxine Curley. Uh, she is been doing this for about 13 years and she's working veterinary nutrition, which is awesome. 
pet cab 360 or 360 pet cab um she's awesome i've actually she's really close to where i'm at um and she does medical transport of pets between hospitals which is really cool um, so this awesome. could be for like standard appointments or like, you know, if you need to, to get them to a larger facility from a clinic, she also has been, she's been really awesome. She's been doing like prescription pickups for clients that can't leave oh, that's their awesome. house. So she's, you know, it's, she, she's super cool. Um, so, you know, if you're in the Bay area, um, definitely check out 360 Pet Cab because that's, it's pretty awesome what she's doing. Um, Persephone Desiree, she is working with reptiles um she showed some cute pictures of her bearded dragons and some scary looking what is that a boa it looks like a, a boa. ball python or something yeah maybe a boa. maybe it's a maybe little bit python. bigger i don't know i'm not good with snakes they yeah they're not my like jam <laughs> but um she showed us pictures which they were really cool um sarah hernandez she's been doing it for 13 years in texas which is cool um, Serena Krelling. Um, she's a vet assistant and she's been doing it for a year. And I was like, oh my God, what a year for her to jump right. into this field. <laughs> <laughs> so it's okay. Things will normalize, I swear. Uh, Becca Kane, who I think she's um, starting school next month, which is awesome. Uh, Amy Ross, who's from New Zealand, and she's been doing this for over 22 years, which is crazy. So I'm sure. She's got some fun New Zealand plus been in the biz for a long time stories. Karen Perez, um, Michelle Cormier Clamola. Sorry. Oh my God. I'm probably butchering <laughs> all these names. Um, she's been doing it for seven years. Uh, Brandon Clement. Uh, I got very excited because I was like, wait a second, neurology yeah. assistant. And I was like, did you do the cool Apple review? And he did, which is really cool. So I, I, it was awesome to to say hi to him and thank him in person for the review mm -hmm. because it was a very nice review on, on Apple reviews. Um, Shelly Dirks is part of the group and then Kylie Jade Graves. So we, <laughs> that's a lot time. of people. Yeah. And those are just the people that responded. Like there was more that actually joined, but they, they kind of responded to it, which was awesome. It was a fun interaction kind of, hopefully we get to know you guys better. Yeah, definitely. And then our question of the week last week was, um, what's an interesting nasal case you've seen or what's the craziest thing that you found in a nose? We got a lot of really interesting <laughs> responses on that. Um, Ann Wartinger uh, found half a peanut up over the soft palate in a dog's nose. Um, so I'm, crazy. Someone's going to get on me about assuming that that was a lab. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh my God. My husband cracks up. He's like, you guys have such a prejudice against labs. I'm like, it's because labs do everything. <laughs> yeah. And then she also had a Doberman who like snuffed up a bunch of fire ants. Oh my God. <laughs> like, even, what? Could you imagine the pain that poor dog went through? Like for being an idiot. Like, bite my feet. I'm like, ah, but in your nose, it just sounds horrible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And then uh, yeah. Jamie Goodwin, I think she said this was her personal cat. Um, yeah. She found aspergillus in a cat nose, which I know we talked about on the episode was super rare. So yeah. And, um, and then I joked that it, of course it was a tech cat, right? Yeah. <laughs> like if you're going to find weird stuff. And then Liz Houston, she read a case report a few years ago where they found a tooth in a nasal cavity. And of course I had questions because I was like, wait, was this like a dog fight and was another dog's tooth in the dog's face or was this own dog's tooth one that no, just like and I think, migrated out? Yeah. So I think this is, I think that someone presented this at ACVM for the um, tech case reports because mm -hmm. I remember this case and um, I think it was like hit by a car or something. And yeah. the, um, I think it was the canine tooth, honestly had been, they thought it just like fell out when it got hit by a car, yeah. but it got shoved into the sinuses, basically into Ouch. the nasal cavity, actually yeah. not sinuses, sorry, nasal cavity, like in the turbinates and stuff like that. And, and yeah, it was, I remember seeing it and being like, oh, that sounds horrible. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, Fernanda de Lima Corrier, um, she saw a tick in a kitten's nose. It was really big, really disgusting. I, oh God, I don't like pulling off ticks anyway, let alone like pulling a tick out of a nose. 
Um, Serena Pudaleski, she has a kitten. I'm assuming this is her own cat who has just chronic upper respiratory stuff. Yeah. Um, and she's been kind of battling with like epistaxis for a while. So we, we kind of talked back and forth about that. And then, um, and, and then, had to bring it up. Mm. I know, I know. I was trying to avoid that one. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to talk about it. And also brought up the video of the cute Rebra in the kitten, kitten cat nose. And I'm just like, I can't, I can't. Anyway, we also had some <laughs> other something else. <laughs> we had also said, had some other like page shares. So um, the free range vet nurse, she shared our page, which she's got a lot of great information now on her page. And it took me a, a bit to realize that this was one of my mentees. So <laughs> <laughs> I know, I think it's funny that you guys didn't realize that who each other were. Each other. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, that's really cool. That's really cool. Oh, hey, it's you. Yeah. But yeah, so the free range vet nurse, she is a veterinary nurse out of New Zealand. And oh. she's got a lot of really good information out on her page as well. Just kind of, she shares a lot of Laura's stuff like we do. Um, oh, she's been nice. sharing our page. She shares stuff like about what a veterinary nurse does and, and just kind of like influential stuff, which is really nice. So it is a really cool page to follow. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Like, I, I love, I love seeing that text just do things. Yeah. Be, be more involved, honestly, because yeah. we need to be more involved. Yeah. I love seeing these like influential pages and stuff like that. And it's just, it's, it's cool. It's nice. Yeah. Well, um, we should actually, we should share it on our Facebook group. Maybe we can do that a little bit later today. Definitely. Um, so if it. anybody wants to check it out, they definitely can. Definitely. So kind of moving forward this week, because I know we're taking up a lot of time talking about our housekeeping. Um, but this week we're going to be discussing pneumonia, which is, um, it can be inflammation versus infection within the lungs. So technically pneumonia itself is an inflammatory disease of the terminal airways and the pulmonary interstitium. A lot of people kind of assume that pneumonia is like, um, bacterial pneumonia but there's actually different versions of pneumonia of course you have your bacterial pneumonia you have aspiration pneumonia um but we'll kind of get into that a little bit but in fact it's it is just a seriously a serious lung inflammation versus infection um and it basically mm. deep in the lung tissues where oxygen is absorbed and um into the body and gas gases are removed, waste gases are removed. Yeah. It, we, we talked about the, the terminal airways, um, which is like the alveoli and stuff like and that. We so shared, we talked about that before. Yep. We shared the magic school bus episode. So if you haven't seen that, Oh my God, I was dying watching that. Yeah. Isn't that great? I'm telling you, I don't know why my memory on magic school bus is so strong, but I think it's hilarious. I was watching it and I'm like, Oh, wow. I'm pretty sure that was like the the 80s. <laughs> yeah, I think it, I think 70s honestly, and 80s. Well, I don't know. I don't think it was that long ago. Like I really? think mm-hmm. when I shared it, it said the episode aired in like 1993. So I was right. four. <laughs> oh my god, you were four. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I was. Uh... <coughs> I was a... So you weren't watching the Magic School Bus? Like I, I was, was not like, yeah. watching the Magic School Bus at that time. No, <laughs> which is probably why I didn't remember that episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so if we kind of go back to our anatomy and physiology, we—I know we talked about it a couple weeks ago—but the Internal Medicine for Pet Parents page has mm-hmm. a wonderful reference on pneumonia, more than just a chest cold blog, and we'll definitely share that. Um, we've been kind of sharing our resources a little bit more. Yeah. And I think everybody has been liking it so far. Um, and so if, if you, if you like it, let us know, cause I feel, um, there's been some, I think people don't realize some of the resources that, that are out there that are really good, like VIN and, and, um, the Merck manual and stuff like that. So it's been fun. And if you guys come up with really cool resources that go with any of these topics, please share it on the Facebook page. Um, the Facebook yes, group. Um, I always so, like to read different things. Yeah. So, and, and we have, so in case you don't get it, there's, there's the internal medicine for vet techs, 
Facebook page, which is kind of the general page, but then there's the internal medicine for vet text podcast group. Um, go join the group, which you just have to answer a couple of questions to join the group. It's, it's basically like, are you a technician? Cause we have weird people asking to join that are not veterinary related whatsoever. And so they, if you don't answer the questions, you don't really get in, but if you come to the pod, podcast group, that's where we're definitely having more interaction. So if you, if you haven't joined the group, definitely join it. Um, and then share some cool resources. Cause I feel like everybody can benefit from it. Um, and I love learning about new resources that can work for both us and our clients. So, um, definitely let us know if you find something really cool about any of this stuff. Definitely. So I am going to talk a little bit about how like gas exchange occurs in the lungs, just because again, that's what the magic school bus episode was doing, but (laughs) this way we can kind of get a general sense as to why pneumonia affects all this. (laughs) Right. Um, So functional gas exchange occurs in alveoli. Like we talked about, that's kind of like the tip of the broccoli, the green part. (laughs) Um, Each alveolus is surrounded by a network of those pulmonary capillaries. So gas exchange occurs across the wall of that alveolus and the wall of the adjacent capillaries. So they're very, very close to each other. And again, and then, they're one cell layer thick. So exactly, this happens very easily. Yes. And then so the gas diffuses in response to the concentration gradient. So in response to like what's within the lungs and what's within the blood. O2 diffuses out of the alveolar lumen um, where it becomes bound to hemoglobin in our red blood cells. So we know that red blood cells have hemoglobin, which carries oxygen throughout the body. Mm -hmm. So oxygenated blood returns via the pulmonary venous system to the left heart and then pumped out to the systemic arterial circulation for distribution to the tissues. Mm -hmm. So again, kind of look at your anatomy and physiology of the lungs and the heart. Yeah. And then at tissue level, so like within your tissues, O2 diffuses from the higher concentration capillary lumens to the tissues. So your oxygen goes basically to the areas that need oxygen, like especially like wounds and stuff like that, you're going to get a little bit more hemoglobin to those areas. So, you know, this is when in tech school, we learned about it. So osmosis and diffusion, right? With areas of lesser concentration, right? Um, mm-hmm. Think of your diffuser you plug in your house, right? It it the scent diffuses because it says oh it's a big concentration and then it diffuses out to the rest of the room so um same idea with oxygen and carbon dioxide um it it wants to be at equilibrium so those Mm -hmm. molecules cross over the 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 cell layers you know and and say oh you need oxygen great i'll take some of your carbon dioxide because i don't have any so it's a really it's a cool system (laughs) when when we think about it balanced it is because like tissue metabolism itself produces carbon dioxide Mm -hmm. um, and that diffuses from tissues into the capillary so yeah it's a nice wonderful balanced exchange it's amazing Um, homeostasis we love it (laughs) i know i i do love how the blood system works um and then so these capillaries carry the red blood cells depleted of oxygen and high in co2 to the veins back to the right heart pumped to the pulmonary artery, to the lungs. And then with your system kind of just recycles. Yep. And then with lung diseases though, your changes in your alveolo, alveolo capillary membrane, they can interfere with diffusion and gas exchange. Mm-hmm. So you get inflammation and things can't diffuse as, as readily because again, that's one cell layer thick. If it yeah. gets inflamed and angry, then it's too thick to diffuse properly. I was going to say, we also talked about like, if you have mucus covering or, you know, sputum or whatever covering that it can't, it can't get into the, the alveolar sac. And then that's, that's where gas exchange. So if, if the oxygen or room air can't get where it needs to go, then you're not going to be, you're not going to be respirating as well. Right. Yeah, exactly. And mind you, your CO2 levels will often remain normal in these patients because CO2 can diffuse more easily than oxygen can, but you're just not well oxygenated. Yeah. And this is, um, you know, when we're talking about this, this is like your SpO2 or your blood gases that, Mm -hmm. you know, to figure out how that's working. Yep, exactly. And then, so 
a lot of ways it can present, obviously, um, but clinical signs can actually remain absent or very vague until the disease is advanced um, or the lungs are diffusely involved. So mm -hmm. until you get a lot of inflammation, a lot of times you won't notice a lot of symptoms. Mm -hmm. And then clinical signs actually result from reduced oxygen diffusion into the bloodstream. Yep. So you get exercise intolerance again, because it, the, your patient can't oxygenate readily. Yeah. And so your tissues um, are like, I can't do that because I might get an oxygen to it. Yeah, exactly. They become tachypnic or dyspnic. Um, so tachypnic is, um, remember tachypnea is increased respiration rate. Dyspnea is difficulty breathing. And then you have orthopnea, which is like shortness of breath or difficulty breathing. I made a joke that this is what COVID is causing. <laughs> Aww, it's it, when you're laying down, which is really sad. So think about your orthopedic bed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Obviously, if disease progresses, you can see cyanosis. Fever could definitely occur, especially if there's like an infectious component. Inappetence, which we kind of talked about. Like I know when I can't breathe through my nose as well. Like I don't want to eat. Yeah. They just like, they have that chest. Like if you've ever had a really hard chest cold kind of thing, you know, you just don't feel like eating. Cause you're like, I don't, I, I don't feel like I can breathe. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And then cough can become apparent usually when the disease process like extends down into the airways resulting in like secretions or extra luminal airway compression. Um, yeah. so if you get a lot of that inflammation or those secretions then your, your pet's going to try to be coughing it up. And then cardiac arrhythmias can actually be noted. And usually that's secondary to hypoxia. Um, yeah. Heart muscles get very mad if they don't have enough oxygen. <laughs> definitely. Pulmonary cockles can be heard. Um, reduced heart and lung sounds or dullness can be noted as well. Um, usually over regions of like lung consolidation. So that's when you look at your radiographs, you can kind of see a certain area. Mm -hmm. And I'll kind of get into that a little bit more too. Yeah. And that's, you know, we talked about it, uh, I think in the first episode, so uh, yep. 28, was that 28? Mm -hmm. Um, about the importance of, you know, that's why you're oscillating all the different lung fields and not just like the heart. Right. So you want to yep. listen because you can hear muffle or crackles and stuff like that. So, um, you know, that that's, it's, it's subtle, but the more you listen to normal, right the more able you're able to pick up, um, mm -hmm. when things are not normal. So it's important right. to do it with all your patients if you can. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of, like I said, at the beginning, it's important to know that pneumonia actually isn't just all types of pneumonia. Like pneumonia refers to like the inflammatory process, but there's actually many different etiologies. So a lot of times, like I said, people will assume pneumonia just means bacterial pneumonia when in, in reality it, it is different. Mm -hmm. So many infectious agents can cause pneumonia. So like bacterial viruses, protozoa, um, parasites, fungus. So this includes things like rickettsial agents, distemper, influenza, things that we vaccinate for. Um, herpes virus, Khaleesi virus, oxoplasma can cause pneumonia. And then, mm -hmm. um, and then of course we have our viral agents can pre predispose patients to secondary bacterial pneumonia. So things like distemper, right. again, FELV, FIV, a lot of those patients are predisposed to actually developing pneumonia. And then and you have your non-infectious forms of pneumonia, like aspiration pneumonia, which can turn infectious. I don't, I know. <laughs> yeah. We, um, uh, it's because you've got foreign material in there and it depends on what it is mm -hmm. too, right? Um, if you aspirate food, um, yeah, you're going to get an infection, but mm -hmm. just the, the, the foreign object, the food or vomit or whatever it is or water, yeah, causes all sorts of inflammation. Um, yeah. So you actually develop pneumonia before you de develop the infection. Yeah. So before you develop the bacterial infection, mm -hmm. um, you can also develop secondary, um, pneumonia due to smoke inhalation, which I don't mm -hmm. know if you've ever seen smoke inhalation case. And that's very tough to watch because they also develop neurologic signs. Yeah, we um, we were dealing with some of those from smoke uh, from the fires here in California. Mm -hmm. Oh, so I we, bet. Yeah, I didn't deal directly with a lot of these patients, but we we saw some that still had issues from it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then of course another form of kind of non-infectious secondary pneumonia would be like an allergic pneumonia, and that's obviously just an extreme infiltration of the lung by inflammatory mm. cells. And mm -hmm. that's usually absent of 
of like an actual infection, but just again, like we all, well, a lot of us have allergies and I know mm. I've developed pneumonia from coughing a lot from being around cats. <laughs> mm, so, yeah. And cause the coughing itself, it, it causes inflammation, right? Like mm-hmm. your, it, it just, your, your lungs don't like coughing. <laughs> they do it to get stuff out. But you know, if, if it's, if you and don't I, have something to get out and you do all this coughing, it yeah. actually makes the inflammation worse, which is why like our tracheal, um, tracheal collapse kids, mm-hmm. you know, we put them on cough suppressants to let that inflammation calm down so that, mm-hmm. because the more inflammation there is, the more coughing they want to do, which causes more inflammation. So it's this vicious cycle. So we try Definitely. to break that, um, and, and get the, get it to just relax and calm down. Definitely, definitely. So quite a bit of diagnostics that we could do here. Obviously, <laughs> we're always going to recommend running like a chemistry CBC again to see if you're battling infectious or even a septic patient. That would suck. Mm-hmm. Um, but pulse, uh, pulse oximetry is rapid and usually, well, should be a non-invasive way to evaluate oxygen sat- saturation. <laughs> and that evaluates like red blood cell hemoglobin just to determine if your pet is hypoxic or not. Yeah. And we'll do, um, like if we have a pneumonia patient, that's like in an oxygen cage, um, we do like SPO2 trials, like we'll take them out for a minute, like, you know, Mm -hmm. even just to do a physical exam and then see what their SPO2 does. If it stays normal, we can do like a longer trial. If all of a sudden, you know, their SPO2 starts dropping into the eighties, you're like, Nope, Nope. You're going back into oxygen. Um, yeah. So SPO2 is, is, is a great tool. And it also lets you know if they need to be in oxygen. Oh yeah. Cause right? if like, you have a dog who does have like increased effort, but their SPO2 level is still 99, like they, they don't have to be in oxygen. Yeah. They don't need the oxygen. They just need the inflammation to go away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like we talked about before, oxygen is very drying. So like if you can avoid giving excessive amounts of oxygen, not to mention mm-hmm. oxygen toxicity is a thing too. Yeah. Like yeah. Like uh, we, we use the Snyder oxygen cage. Um, that's what we have. Yeah. And it's nice because you can set the percentage of oxygen because a hundred percent, you can only do a hundred percent. So like our anesthetic machines, which technically are what 99% because we have our one to 2% ISO in them. Yeah. I think you can only do that without adding in a secondary gas. I believe it's six hours over six hours, you start getting toxicity. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why, uh, like nitrous oxide is a, is an option because it's, it's all about the gas exchange. Um, mm-hmm. so we don't put them on hundred percent oxygen. We put them, you know, most of the times when we have our respiratory kids, it's like 40%. Yeah. That's and, what we try to do. And remember room air is what? 22%, 22, 23. Yeah. I Somewhere think that's what there. it is. Mm-hmm. Which is impressive. Right. I remember uh, <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't even write it down and you got it <laughs> I didn't <laughs> watch I'm completely wrong no I'm no, pretty no. certain I that that's 23 percent um and then I, we're just doubling the amount in the in room air to 40 exactly, percent it's over 60 percent not... is when you run the risks of of um oxygen toxicity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. again I'm impressed I remember that so yeah, <laughs> pulse oximetry is actually a really great tool. And then of course, three, three view thoracic radiographs. Again, I'm going to really press the point for three view because yeah. you can really see different, different patterns. Um, and pneumonia typically produces like usually an unstructured interstitial pattern initially and can actually progress to an alveolar pattern. We'll have to see if we can find some radiograph pictures to post. So this makes more sense. I know that um, I, I think in that blog post, there are some extra okay. pictures. Um, so that can definitely be part of it. And actually, before we keep going, when we say three view chest x-rays, yes, <laughs> we should be specific about that. So usually it's a VD and then a right lateral and a left lateral. Of just the thorax. Of just not the, the abdomen. thorax. Not, not a whole cat. Um, not the neck, not the head. Those can be separate because collimation is really important. You get better clarity in your x-rays when you actually mm-hmm. collimate. Yeah. Cause you, cause scatter radi- radiation. So again, my, my doctors get super picky about this. Um, they want collimation. Mm-hmm. Um, Mine too. Yeah. Um, aspiration pneumonia can show like a cranial ventral distribution. Mm-hmm. So forward and, and, um, down 
And then um, fungal pneumonia can actually produce like a nodular or a miliary pattern. Kind of looks like METS. So it can yeah, be a scary. We, I was going to say, we've had a lot of patients that get referred to oncology when it actually it's fungal. See, and we get the opposite. We get a lot referred to us when it's usually oncology. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, well. I think people are yeah. just like, optimistic in the fact that it's not like some bad cancer that's already meted to the lungs super bad. Uh, see, I think our doctors are like, yep, cancer. And then we're like, wait a second. Yeah. Well, so we don't see, on. we don't see many like fungal pneumonias. I don't, I think I've seen one case my entire mm. career here. I've seen a few. Yeah. I hate fungus. Yeah. Mm. Um, CT scan was an option can be useful like when other techniques don't reveal cause for pneumonia but again sometimes Ooh. there's not a cause for pneumonia i've never done a ct scan for pneumonia no gonna... <laughs> because it requires anesthesia which causes more inflammation um that and your pa- if your patient's not oxygenating i'm not putting them under anesthesia How? i think that was more of a it's recommendation probably a human for thing it. it's like probably. a human thing go go <laughs> Yeah, probably because you don't have to be in anesthetized for it. That, and I think it's more of like if you have those chronic pneumonias who you just can't clear. And you're gonna do like a bronch BAL or something like that. Yeah, 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 I can, I can see that. Or, or you know, if you're looking for fungus. And then our arterial blood gas testing. Those, so that measures changes in our circulating oxygen levels, and that can provide actually like a really good evaluation of respiratory function. Um, by measuring your CO2 and oxygen levels. Yeah, so arterial blood gases, we don't do a ton of them. Because um, it requires an arterial stick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and not not many people feel comfortable with it. Um, yeah, and honestly, like your pulse oximetry, like you can get it, you can get a general idea with it. Yeah, I think using an SpO2, it's first of all, non-invasive. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think it, it really is, it's easier, you know, you don't have to worry about doing an art stick, which is not pleasant for most of our patients because of just how to get that stick. So, you know, a lot of times we're not doing it for the comfort of our pets. So. Yeah. Treating varies obviously because there's different types of pneumonia so yep. treatment usually requires finding the cause for pneumonia and then treating the underlying issue so if you have like a mega esophagus dog who just keeps having aspiration pneumonia mm. using like a bailey chair and mm-hmm. you know the 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 feeding the meatballs of food versus yep. you know small chunks and yeah they have um what are they called blocks something blocks but it's a like a gel that it basically oh. is the water Mm-hmm. Um, because drinking water with a mega esophagus can be a problem depending on how severe it is. So they have like these little gel blocks that they can eat to, to get water in. And that goes the same for two. Like if you have a LARPAR who had um, mm-hmm. laryngeal like tie back, those dogs are prone to aspirating pneumonia yeah. as well because they don't have the ability to close their larynx to not yeah. aspirate something. So sometimes in situations like that, you can't really treat the underlying cause, but you can kind of modify prevent yes exactly as best you can (laughs) bacterial pneumonia obviously you're going to use like antibiotics and those it's pretty strict to inform your clients that that requires antibiotics to be continued one to two weeks we always do two weeks past resolution of clinical and radiographic evidence so what we'll do is we'll take x-rays if the chest looks great we tell people do not stop the antibiotics continue them for another two weeks and then come back for repeat x-rays and we're going to stop them. And then you're going to come back again for repeat x-rays in two weeks. Yeah. I, I think it's hard because, well, we usually see those bacterial infections that just don't clear the primary vet, yep. right? The primary vet does x-rays and they're like, Oh, look, there's pneumonia and then starts them on antibiotics and maybe does a two to three week antibiotic course. Right. And, and usually those take four to six weeks. <laughs> well, and some pets do clear it right? And they don't have issues. But then there's the ones that we end up seeing that it's just not clearing it. And it could be a number of reasons. It could be one that wasn't the appropriate antibiotic for whatever they had in there. Or two, you know, they had a stubborn (laughs) infection that just isn't clearing fully. And then you stop the antibiotics and it's not cleared all the way. So now it just kind of 
grows again. So yeah, for, for us, it's super common to do, okay, we're doing chest rads. Um, and you know, once everything looks good and we do the same thing, we do two weeks past resolution and, Mm -hmm. um, we don't always do follow-ups after that because we had already had a clear set of x-rays, but, Mm -hmm. um, but you definitely can, especially if you've had a patient that just chronically gets, cause we have some patients yeah. that just chronically get pneumonia. Um, mm-hmm. and we clear it, clear because it, clear it. And then, like, yeah, they just have that underlying like lung inflammation that just mm-hmm. like predisposes them to getting yeah. ridiculous infections. Um, yep. we, a lot of times like the RDVM or the referring veterinarian will take the cases back and just do repeat films. And sometimes they won't mm-hmm. repeat films at the time of stopping antibiotics, we'll just repeat them like two weeks after just to make sure it doesn't look like it's coming back before clinical signs right. start. Yep. Um, and then, so our patients with like our infectious or non-infectious pneumonia usually require like general treatment at the time mm-hmm. that we see them. So that can be like oxygen supplementation, fluid therapy, whether it be sub-Q fluid therapy or IV fluid therapy. Nebulization is great. Um, same with coupage. And that's where you do that like and people can do kind of a version of nebulization at home with a hot shower. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. And then coupage where you're kind of pounding on the chest a little bit, trying to break up all of that mucus and fluid that could be within the lungs. Um, yeah. And it's important to know how to do coupage. You're not just like flat slapping them. You're cupping your hands mm-hmm. and then hitting the chest and you want to kind of do all the quadrants. And the reason you're cupping your hands is because that air that's, in your hands kind of helps. Yeah. It's like a percussion. Um, like <laughs> yeah, percussion, exactly. So you're not just like slapping them. You're, you're cupping and coupaging, which is different. And so that's something too, when we're talking to clients about it, we have to explain that. Yeah. Like you're not just beating your dog. <laughs> yeah. There's a specific way to do it. Um, yeah. And same with nebulization. So we, um, I put together a handout for my clinic and we can upload it into our, um, tech treasure trove that talks about the, the nebulizers that you can get online that have, um, the small parts per million that is best for respiratory, like pneumonia type patients, because not all nebulizers are exactly the same. Mm -hmm. You want, um, the nebulizer needs to be able to break down the water, whatever the the saline or the water medication, depending on what you're doing small enough that it can get down into the lungs. Um, so there's, there's specific nebulizers that, that are, uh, rated with that. So it's important to just make sure that you're, you know, and they're not super expensive. Like you, some Mm -hmm. of them you can get on like Amazon or there's some other websites that you can get them on and they're, they range anywhere from 30 bucks on up. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, especially if you've got a patient that has chronic pneumonia. Yeah. Like your megasophagus dogs who are like prone to it and they just start having like a flare up or something like that. Um, and it actually, so there's controversy though, when using like bronchodilators and mucolytics in the treatment of pneumonia, just because you don't really want to dilate the lungs in order for everything to kind of settle down even further or deeper. Mm. And mucolytics, you don't really want to use either, even though you want to do the, you want to get that mucus out. You don't want to, you don't really want to like rush it out. Like you want to do the coupaging and just try to like break it up and then allow the pet mm-hmm. to cough and, and kind of work it out on its own. Cause you don't want to dry the area and then really cause severe inflammation, which I don't know if you've ever taken like a mucolytic. Those are awful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mucinex. That's the one I think of. <laughs> yeah. And I, I have a love-hate relationship with mucinex, yeah, it works. which is guaifenesin. Um, it works, but sometimes it's too much. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, too dry. Yeah. Um, so other treatments, it's not really treatment, it's more of a diagnostic. Aspirates and cytology, mm-hmm. and then your bronchoscopy or um, BALs. Those, you can obtain like bacterial cultures, cytology samples, really get an idea of what you're treating, whether it be fungus, um, bacteria, inflammation eosinophilic in origin something yeah usually when we do our bronch bals we do um anaerobic aerobic fung and fungal cultures Mm -hmm. plus mycoplasma most of the times and then we do cytology on our fluids um and so we send those to the labs yeah yeah exactly especially if you get fluid out which yeah and sometimes 
sometimes we'll do a respiratory PCR. Mm -hmm. Um, so we use IDEX. So we do the like conjunctival swabs and the pharyngeal, the pharyngeal swabs, um, (laughs) which I don't want one of those. So I don't want to get tested right now. You don't want to get tested for COVID. Oh God. No, no. I can't. It's like the flu I see test. how much dogs and cats don't like it. So it, it's so funny because like I've had the I had the flu two years in a row, but like I got it Ugh. after my kids got it. So like when we would of go course. to the doctor, like the kids would get tested and they'd get the thing shoved <laughs> up their nose, and then I would go to the doctor and be like, my kids tested positive a half an hour ago, and they're like, okay, you don't need to be tested. Here's your Tamiflu, and I'm like, yes. Nice. <laughs> Bad parenting <laughs> moment, subjecting my kids to being like having a Q-tip shoved up their nose. But I was treating them first, really. You were treating them. I, first. I, I was putting Jordan. their needs first. <laughs> You're so horrible. You're such a good mom. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> also, I didn't have to have it shoved up my nose because I've never actually been tested for the flu. I've never had to experience that. Neither have I. And I really don't want to because I see how much my patients hate it. It makes my eyes water kind of thinking about it. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, yeah, patient. Oh. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they're sedated, but most of the times they're not. Most of the times you're doing the PCR. So it's a, we use the, the, um, the sterile culture yeah, swabs. And you stick it under their third eyelid, which is creepy. So you get the conjunctival swab and then you open their mouth and shove it far enough back as, as possible and hopefully they don't chew it off and break it because we've come close to that a couple of times. Um, and then we put it, we, we cut the tips of those off with sterile scissors, put it like in a sterile um, red top tube mm-hmm. or a white top tube um, and then submit that. Cause you don't want to put it in the culture medium. You just want it in a sterile tube. Yeah. A dry um, tube. Mm-hmm. So, and then our client communication is pretty big on this just because Mm -hmm. managing and treating pneumonia can be costly just because again, a lot of times we're repeating thoracic radiographs frequently. Um, It's- And it's long-term antibiotics. Yeah, it's not just a seven to 10 day course. Like, yeah. um, same with fungal treatment, fungal, which, um, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's long- Fungal's a lot longer. (laughs) And uh, it's a- same thing kind of with the like aspergillus it's very hard to clear yeah so it's really important to talk to your clients I was to say with our fungal pneumonia kids I've had a patient oh my god well first they were on antifungals for the the lung nodules we saw for like a year before they fully cleared but then we keep uh, like doing the blood tests Mm -hmm. to see what their titers are at and like do like pulse therapy if needed well, some of them are still on it because mm. their titers are still high. And then once they get, you know, non-detectable titers, we'll stop and then antifungals retest, and yeah. then check them. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, okay, it's been three to six months. Let's check to see how you're doing. And then we're like, ah, oh, crap, it's back. Yeah. Um, Expensive. So like just between like yeah. the testing and the antifungals, because again, on antifungals, you have to have liver and kidney values checked. What do you guys do? Yeah. Like every six weeks or so, or do you push it out because they come back? So it kind I think it kind of just depends on the clients on how too. bad they are yeah yeah and if you notice any changes yeah um sometimes we'll drop the dose and check again or we just stop depending on obviously how yeah, yeah <laughs> how, how high it doing. spikes up um yeah at least every I feel like every month to two months at least and then once they've kind of stabilized and they've been on it for a while, we do at least every four to six months. Yeah. And I think talking to, to our clients, one of the big things is um, making sure <laughs> do not stop the medications once your pet is feeling better. Mm-hmm. It's, it drives me crazy that they're like, oh, well, I felt better. So I stopped the antibiotics and I'm like, well, that, and that goes back to like the first point where they're like, but it's just so expensive. And I'm like, I know, but it's going to be more expensive if you stop but the meds. Did you, notice, did you notice a week later, you're calling me because Fluffy is coughing again and we have to start it all over again. And they're like, oh yeah. I'm like, yeah, now it's more expensive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, can't we yeah. just repeat the antibiotics without repeat films? I'm like, not if we keep going through this. <laughs> like, 
They're like, you get one chance. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) One chance. And then you're going to cause a resistant thing. And then we're going to have to, and that's another thing too, to talk to clients about is please don't do this because you could potentially make a resistant bacteria. If it's bacterial, you can make a resistant bacteria by like doing these weird, like almost clear, but not quite. So then the stuff that survived the antibiotic is stronger against the antibiotic. And then we do the bronchi AL and we're like, so you have this really resistant thing in your lungs now. Here's your extra um, expensive antibiotics that now you have to do for six weeks. Yeah, we um we had one that just wouldn't clear. And we actually ended up, uh, I think it was actually, I think it was um, a Bordetella. Oh. Um, so like a, it was a, a, a camel cough, but it just like would not clear. Yeah. And um, we ended up doing nebulized... Oh, I can't remember the medication, but we did a nebulized drug for about five days because we think it was like in the trachea. Yeah. And so because the blood flow is different in the trachea than like in the rest of the lungs, the antibiotic just wasn't killing the bacteria, the bacteria in the trachea. Mm-hmm. So we actually did the nebulized because obviously it delivers it straight to the bacteria then mm-hmm. um so we ended up doing that and now the dog's doing great yeah um, i've seen so like we were able to finally clear it nebulized azithromycin that's that maybe that was like a long time ago and that wasn't my case i don't know i know we had to we had to like special order it for them mm-hmm. my kids have like a nebulizer do, like three to five days which I like because when I get around too many cats, which I haven't worked for two months. So now I'm kind of terrified to be around cats again. Luckily, like I'm wearing a mask and so they can't kill me right now, but I'm worried that <laughs> I'm going to wear an N95 for the rest of my life. <laughs> I know I'm like, every time I am not around cats for even like a week and I come back, I just feel awful. Um, yeah. but yeah, like my kids, like we have budesonide at home. So like if I get, <laughs> if I feel too like inflamed, I'll just like nebulize myself <laughs> I'm like nice. mm, taking those steroids because you know that's Aww. healthy. <laughs> um, huh? Yeah, I never said I was a great patient. <laughs> I was like, I feel, I feel like your doctor's appointment coming up soon. They're gonna be like, stop self-medicating. I've been told this already. Technicians, veterinarians, and doctors—we're the worst. No, I'm <laughs> the worst. Self-medicating. I'm, I'm very we're like, much- oh, I got this here. I know. I'm very much yeah. the worst patient. I'm like, anyway, moving on. Home care communication with clients is great. If you don't have a client like me. You're at, you're like the epitome of our clients. Jesus Christ. I know, I'm the worst. <laughs> but I admit it. So that counts uh-huh. for something. Yeah, so once once these patients get hospitalized, you know, and because sometimes they're hospitalizing, but we're going home. So we, usually it's once they feel better and they start eating on their own, then we can discharge them and get them home. But if, you know, if they're still coughing, we need to make sure that we, we talk about a couple of things for at home. So try try to do your best about not having them outside in extreme cold or wet weather. So, you know, this might be a big thing with dogs that live more outside than inside, um, I feel like I'm pretty lucky. Most of our patients aren't like that. Um, and so you want to make sure that they stay indoors. And this can be for cats, especially indoor, outdoor cats. Um, try to get them to stay indoors. Um, so consider using something like a, I like that it's called a vaporizer on here, but I think like of a humidifier or a nebulizer. Mm-hmm. And that can be done for 10 to 15 minute intervals a couple times a day. Yeah. And I think, I think the difference between a vaporizer and a nebulizer, nebulizing makes the smaller particles mm-hmm. versus vaporizers just like steam. Yeah. Right. Really like moisten um, up everything and which mm-hmm. moisture also helps break up all the crap you have going on in your lungs. Um, yeah. It just doesn't, I don't, I don't think it penetrates as deep, no. Um, especially when you have constriction, whether that's because of mucus or inflammation or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, but a lot of times we'll frequently like recommend that our clients leave the pet in a bathroom with like a a steamy shower and just to help Mm -hmm. kind of create that misty vapor. Um, and then if the bathroom doesn't get sufficiently misty, then as a small, like a small pet can be put in like a carrier and then Mm -hmm. that, uh, um, like a vaporizer, a nebulizer or a humidifier can be placed like directly mm-hmm. into a small space. Um, however, nebulization obviously is superior to humidifying. Um, mm-hmm. 
but both help in, in some way if you're able to do that. And then like we talked about before, performing coupaging at least four times a day um, and allowing like light exercise, exercise to help promote cough. And when I say light mm -hmm. exercise, this is like a walk out to the mailbox or the back of the backyard and back. <laughs> Like <laughs> this is not yeah. like a jog down around one block instead Ugh. of seven. This is <laughs> well, my dog this and I walked three miles a day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, and then we also recommend like try not to suppress the cough with over-the-counter cough suppressants. A. A lot of people. I mean, we just talked about how bad of a client I am, so this sounds like something I would probably do. I have not done this. I'm actually way better of a pet owner than I am like my own patient. <laughs> um. So <laughs> we just, we don't, we want the infected material in the chest to be coughed up. So we don't want to suppress those and then use antibiotics. Yeah. It's like, it's like this fine balance between suppressing the cough enough that we're not causing more inflammation, mm -hmm. but not suppressing it so much that it's not coming up at all. Yeah. So it's, it's this weird fine balance thing. Yeah, exactly. And then obviously use antibiotics as directed and come back for rechecks, uh, recheck radiograph. So or whatever um drug of choice whether it's an antifungal mm -hmm. or antiviral or whatever just make sure to follow the directions yes please if it says refill refill it yeah <laughs> it's the tip of the week so our tip of the week this week is try not to assume that all pneumonia cases should be created equal um they each have their own treatment routes they each have their own like, protocols you have um allergy or allergic versus just inflammation versus bacterial versus fungal mm -hmm. they it all should not just assume to be pneumonia there is a specific type of pneumonia that you should really try to be working out so i think that's a pretty important tip to keep in mind when you or your doctor or both are assisting and treating in a, a pneumonia case yeah and i think we've focus mostly on this episode like infectious mm -hmm. pneumonias is kind of what we were talking about we're gonna do um another episode that is going to be um like asthma and bronchitis because mm -hmm. that is it, it's not infectious right yeah um but it is treated a little bit differently and that's your um, like and prior it's to diagnosed differently yeah exactly yeah 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 but it can potentially lead to pneumonia but yeah, yeah exactly. we figured we'd um we talk about that a little bit differently, um, or a little separately from this. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's definitely not all the same. Yep. And now for the question of the week. So our question of the week, we kind of mentioned it already when we were talking about our housekeeping yeah. that we'd like to know what resources everybody uses, but what's a resource that you have found for clients as they deal with a pet that has pneumonia, um, or has mm -hmm. like some sort of underlying lung disease. We'd like to know about it. Cause again, I like, to read different resources i have my ones that i kind of stick to but i also enjoy finding new ones every time i every chance i can just because to read the same thing just a little differently each time makes my understanding of it a lot easier yeah and i think you know that's kind of how our brains work right like you maybe you hear it somebody says it just a little bit differently and all of a sudden you're like Oh, that's what that means. Yes, exactly. Um, and, and you've heard it enough times that your brain finally can process it. Yeah. So having those tips for, for clients is awesome. And like I said, we'll, we'll also put the resource in, um, the tech treasure trove, mm -hmm. uh, for the nebulizer and the coupage, like a, a handout for clients. So they have it. Um, so if you haven't signed up for our newsletter, to get your access to the tech treasure trove, um, definitely recommend it. Um, just so going to internal medicine for vettechs.com and then uh, signing up on there, there's a, there's a join us button. So you can go there and, and log in and then remember to check your spam folder, look for the um, confirmation email. Cause otherwise if you don't confirm, you're not going to get any of our emails and you won't have access to it. So um, make sure you're, you're getting that so you can get, you know, access to those resources. Also, I'm going to apologize because it took me recording this entire episode to realize that I wasn't recording on my microphone. So if I sound a little different this um, week. Yeah. Yeah. We, we realized it about, uh, two minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Jordan <laughs> accidentally recorded on the computer. Well, yes. at least so, it recorded. At least it recorded and it just sounds a little different probably just because it's probably like a little bit more echoey off of my desk. 
Oops. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> we'll fix that next episode, I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, check out the resources. Let us know. Um, join us in the Facebook group. Uh, the I make sure I say it internal medicine for vet techs podcast group, because you'll see more interaction with us there. Um, and hopefully let us know if you like having all the resources posted there, because, uh, we tried that last week and I think we got yeah. pretty good interaction. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. Cool. That, and it makes people realize that we're not just pulling all this, um, just randomly. Like we, <laughs> <laughs> right? we're like, we want to share with you. I swear. Yeah. I swear. <laughs> I'm not just making this up. Right. I'm, I'm reading parts of it from something. Um, but no, right. I think, I think that wraps up this episode. Um, obviously we have more lung issues coming up to discuss and we look forward to kind of chatting with everybody, especially on Facebook. We've received emails. Like I, I just like the interaction that we've, we've received. So I do appreciate everybody yeah. kind of taking time to comment or, um, reach out. It's been great. Um, especially with my home quarantine with children right. for two months. So we have one additional resource, uh, that I, we, Jordan and I kind of talked, um, separately, not on the podcast, but that, um, I listened to the vet tech cafe episode. Um, I think they posted it April 12th. I'm looking at their website. Um, they have one, um, his name is Noah Jones. Uh, he's an RVT VTS, but he also has his, um, human respiratory therapist credentials. Um, so he's actually working in the human field now, which is kind of insane, but it, it's a fascinating listen to hear, you know, what he's doing, um, as, as far as like dealing with COVID patients and how much it really does translate directly to veterinary medicine. Um, so if you don't get, haven't had, haven't had a chance to listen to that episode yet, we highly recommend it. Um, so it's the vet tech cafe, a Noah Jones episode from April 12th. Um, and we'll, we'll link to it in the show notes and also share it on the Facebook page. Cause it, if you haven't listened to, <laughs> to Dave and Jeff yet, definitely do. They're amazing. Um, I like, I like hanging out with them too. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, other yeah. than that, I think that wraps everything up. So we will get everything posted. Hope you guys enjoy still listening to us, um, especially when we <laughs> ramble. Um, but you know, we have a good time recording this, so I don't regret yeah, anything. You guys like listening, right? <laughs> cool. Right. Well, we will talk to you guys next week. Yeah, make sure to keep your PPE on and wear your protective equipment so you don't end up with a pneumonia because nobody wants that right now, right? You guys have a wonderful week. It was fun hanging out and talking to you, Jordan. All right, guys. Get your learn on. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast. And make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.